Hey, hey, and welcome into the Big Ten Huddle. I'm your host, JR, and we're here to talk about all the things going on in the Big Ten. It's the basketball episode, so we're going to be talking about the basketball games. Last night, we had the top three teams in the Big Ten all face off with Big Ten opponents. They all came out on top. It was a very interesting, very fun night of basketball to see. I had a great time, and we have an awesome group of guys to break it down for us. We're going to go ahead and go to them, let them introduce themselves, tell you where that you can find their podcast, their work at, uh, and then we'll go ahead and get into it. Sonny, you want to lead us off with that? Sure. I'm Sonny. I'm a co-host of the Illini cast. Uh, we try to lay out a couple episodes every week. We discuss uh, both Illinois football and Illinois basketball. Uh, you can also find me at the Sunny V for my own personal sports takes. And I'm also launching a new channel called the Big Ten Show, uh, which will be launching uh, this week. So Feel free to follow that on Twitter as well. We're just going to be throwing out a bunch of uh, national championship content. Very cool. Awesome. All right, Tricky, you want to introduce yourself? Tell people about the Turtleheads. Sure. I am uh, Turtlehead Tricky, as I'm uh, known on the Turtlehead podcast, or Tricky's just fine. It's available on Apple and Spotify. We concentrate on University of Maryland sports, but we do get into pro uh basketball baseball football college football and even our local teams uh so uh quite the mix of topics there with the turtle heads but uh tonight we'll just be talking about maryland of course and uh how we're gonna take over the big 10 in the coming years very cool looking forward to hearing about it uh gabriel go to introduce yourself tell people where they can find your work at yes yes i'm new New to this group here. Um, right now, I'm writing a couple blog pieces for the Big Ten banner. So please go check that out. Uh, the place to probably best see my work is still on my Twitter, G-S-T-E-S-P-A-R-Z-A. Um, I should probably get a better handle, but that's that'll be for another day. But yeah, just happy to be here. Thanks for having me. For sure. Love to have you here. Uh, if you guys are watching on YouTube, please do like and subscribe. We appreciate that. And if you are listening on podcast, do send us a reading over there and check out Big Banter Sports, BigBanterSports.com for all your Big Ten media needs. All right, let's go ahead and get into it. Our first recap is the Illinois and Northwestern game. Illinois really took it to them. I mean, 30-point victory for them. That's huge. Uh, in Illinois, they just looked like they were completely in rhythm. In this one, looked like a great game for them. Brad Underwood really had his guys humming. Uh, just a very, very impressive win, uh, especially against a team like Northwestern, who was able to take down Purdue earlier this year. Uh, for Illinois to do that uh, by the substantial margin that they did, uh, it was really, really cool to see for them. Sonny, I know you're fired up about this game. What are some of your thoughts? You know, it's it's, it's been a rough uh, week to ten days for uh, Illinois basketball uh, off the court, but. You know, with our last three games, uh, we played two of our three biggest rivals. And, you know, Missouri game, we won by 24 points. Uh, the game was never really close. And we we're riding pretty sky high uh, at that point. Um, shortly thereafter, you know, the news about Terrence Shannon came out. And so Illini Nation is kind of looking around, trying to figure out, hey, how does the dynamic of this team change when your best player uh, is gone? Uh, what We essentially responded with two games where we're averaging 100 points a game. Um, far, fairly Dickinson, sure, we, sh you know, we should have cleaned uh, cleaned up anyway, but against Northwestern, we're only five-and-a-half-point favorites. Uh, obviously, Northwestern beat Purdue, as you mentioned earlier. Uh, earlier. 
And this game was never really close. It was 7 nothing right off the bat for Illinois. Uh, Northwestern, you know, Boo Booey had 20 points, but that was basically it. Um, I had a post-game uh, pod uh, about this game yesterday, and it was probably the shortest episode I've ever made because literally all I could say was everyone had a good game because everyone had a good game. Uh, Damask had 32 points, and I mean, this guy is, in my opinion, the best uh, from 5 to 18 uh, foot shooter in the uh, in all of college basketball. He had 32 points and only one three pointer from those 32 points. Um, you know, it's Coleman Hawkins right now. You know, I know he gets talked about on the show uh, on occasion. He seems like he's fully healthy. And over the last four or five games, he's if he's playing the way he is, I think Illinois can compete with anybody in this conference. And uh, you know, all in all, it's just it's a nice we're. We start off the Big Ten in a pretty tough stretch, you know, having Northwestern, who many pegged to finish, I've seen as high as fourth, but uh, for the most part, consistently in the top half. Um, Friday night, of course, uh, it's going to be Illinois against Purdue. And then we follow that game up with uh, a Michigan State team that looks like it's turning things around. So, you know, getting the first win, uh, you know, under your belt uh, without your star player, it's uh, it's nice and refreshing. But to have a 30-point win over your rival, you know, it, it, we feel pretty good right now. Oh, for sure. Yeah, it was a great game to watch. I, I, the entire time I was watching that game, it just looked like Illinois was in some kind of rhythm. You know, it looked like there was like music playing in the background or something. And they were just, you know, they were in some kind of rhythm, dancing together, whatever you want to call it. Uh, and it was really, really fun to watch. Um, and I've been critical of Illinois in a few ways earlier this year. But I, I tell you, I don't really think I can come away with anything super critical in that game. They just, they were humming. They looked really, really nice. It was a great night for the home court advantage for them as well. Uh, I, I really, I don't have anything bad to say about Illinois. I have plenty of bad things to say about Northwestern's defense. Um, but at a certain point, it's like, maybe that's just because Illinois has that good of an offense. Um, Gabriel, what were some of your thoughts on the Illinois Northwestern game? I mean, yeah, I don't think you could be too harsh on Northwestern. They're, they just face a really good Illinois team that um, had an extra motivating factor. Let's just call it that for now. Um, but for Northwestern, um, I still I still like this team. I think they're a they're a scrappy team and they're a dangerous team that can definitely beat anyone in the Big Ten on a given night. So just the fact that Illinois was able to show that level of dominance um, yesterday against a, what I still consider a good Northwestern team, I think that bodes well. And no Northwestern, they have a couple of things that they need to clean up. One one person I want, I like watching players um, that come off the bench to see how they do. And Martinelli, he just does all the right things consistently all the time. And uh, if he's able to step up and be a consistent um, contributor off the bench, look out for Northwestern. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and speaking about guys coming off the bench, Luke Goody, you know, he started off the bench earlier this season. Now he's in the starting lineup and it was a really good performance from him, especially early on in the game. So that was obviously positive for Illinois fans to see. We'll talk a little bit later about filling those uh, starter roles with Terrence Shannon Jr. out. But before we get to that, I do want to hear our man Tricky's thoughts on the Northwestern Illinois game. Well, uh, you both, uh, you and Sonny, uh, Jr. mentioned the uh, just the fluidity of the offense there with Illinois, and that's something I'm very envious of. After watching uh, the first third of the season with Maryland, um, we have a problem with 
finding our place on the court, both on offense and defense. So to see a team like Illinois, who regardless of who they put out there, each player knew their role and played it perfectly within what seems to be a very good offensive system. And it, it helps out on defense. I'm a, they're not a bad defensive team, but much of it is set up by the, uh, their offense. Um, and you mentioned uh, Domas only taking uh, one three-pointer. You went 10 of 18 from three-point line, did uh, your Illinois, Sonny. And that's another thing that uh, I'm envious of. And if uh, you listen to the uh, little get-together I had with the guys from Purdue before our game, I mentioned that about our club, that uh, when we can't make the three, we just keep shooting it. Where in your case, Sonny, your guy takes a few steps in, hits the 15, 18-foot jumper. We don't attempt shots from in there. It's either in the paint or from behind the arc. And it, it shows the weakness on our team. And you're, you're, I would much rather be playing in a system like uh, what Illinois is doing right now. And they, they look really formidable. I mean, if, if they can get that many contributions by that many players and everybody playing selfless, uh, they look tough to beat. Uh, and uh, I can't wait to see them play Purdue myself. Uh, you can take a guess as to who I'll be rooting for in that matchup. As I say, I feel like you're going to be on Lion Eye Fan Friday night, right, Tricky? Oh, always have been. Yes, we we are the number one Lion Eye supporting podcast uh, in the state of Maryland uh, over there at the Turtlehead. At least whenever we're playing Purdue. <laughs> That's a new award we can give you: the number one uh, Lion Eye supporting podcast in Maryland. I like it. I like it. Stay tuned for the testes. That that may be a category. There we go. Um, now, obviously, Sonny, you had uh, some issues with the past couple podcasts we've had on here. I've had some of my uh, my good guests on, but you felt like there was not enough recognition for Brad Underwood and for the Illini team. And uh, I, I got to be honest, after some of the stuff that's uh, been going on with this Northwestern game and the other two games, I think you got some room to talk. So uh, it's my, my turn to give you the floor and tell us why uh, we have been so wrong lately on your fight. Now, JR, take this as a compliment. Uh, you know, I tune into Big Ten Huddle as often as I can. So I just happen to always, you know, keep an ear out for the Illini takes. And it just so happens I tend to disagree with every single one on the show. So it, that's why I had to speak up at one point. Um, I will give you credit. Uh, you're right in the sense that the last couple episodes that I've had an issue with, like you were the nicest uh, when it came to Illinois. But for me, it's uh, – I don't know if it's uh, because you've had a lot of Purdue guests on over the last month because they've got so many. Yeah. Uh, I don't understand the the picture that's painted about uh, Matt Painter uh, as opposed to Brad Underwood. Uh, Brad Underwood, uh, his conference record at Stephen F. Austin was 53-1, and one, okay? He left Stephen F. Austin. He took over a 12-20 and 20 Oklahoma State team. And took him to 20 and 12 in one year. He got hired by Illinois. First two years, we struggled, but we were a bad Illinois team uh, because of the John Brochi era. You know, we don't want to talk about that. A very dark era in the Illinois um, history. He took his press system 
realized as a coach that it does not work at a power five level, changed it around completely. And over the last five years, no coach has won more games in the Big Ten than Brad Underwood. Uh, I think there was a guest on your last week's uh, podcast who, who was like, how, how can Matt Painter win coach of the year? I don't understand. Well, I just gave you the stat about Brad Underwood winning you know, uh, 57 games over the last five years uh, in the Big Ten. Uh, he's won a conference tournament. He's won the conference title. He's never won the conference coach of the year. Um, you know, early on, he built his teams around guards. Uh, we had the IO and Trent Frazier. Then he, uh, IO graduated and we switched to building our team on the, from the inside out with Kofi. You know, these are all adjustments that this guy was making. Um, you know, and I know the cultural stuff was kind of brought up lately. And to me, it really doesn't make sense because if you look back, the only team that really has had cultural issues in his tenure at Illinois was last year's team. Um, last year's team, you know, two years ago, we had uh, the top ranked uh, recruiting class in the Big Ten, and it was top, I think, six or seven in the country. You know, it had a couple uh, former five stars, uh, a couple four stars. And last year, it didn't work out because you kind of see what kind of baggage comes with those four and five stars. But it's not that I saw it. Someone else saw it, and that's Brad Underwood. This year, he's made a complete different strategy. Uh, you know, he's brought in guys like uh, Justin Harmon from uh, Utah Valley, Marcus Damask from Southern Illinois. He's a guy who, in my opinion, you know, is almost underrated at this point because we just talk about, you know, him not making a Sweet 16. But then, you know, we talk about Matt Painter, who's lost to a 13 seed, a 15 seed, and a 16 seed in consecutive years. So for me, you know, I, I guess you can say I kind of got triggered last week, you know, with because I think this year he's been doing a fantastic job. You know, our two losses was to Marquette, uh, a, a very veteran team in our fourth game of the season, where whereas we have like a lot of new guys we're introducing to the rotation. Second game we lost to was Tennessee, uh, which on a good night, they can win the national championship. We played that game in Knoxville. And, you know, I know you mentioned a couple of times that, you know, it seemed like the team was off in the second half. But keep in mind, we lost that game. Uh, the spread was seven and a half. We lost it by seven. We covered the spread. And that's with our best player, Terrence Shannon, going for something like two for 11, two for 12. The team never gave up. And, you know, as you know, we kind of talked about earlier today, the last three games, the team is just in sync. We're playing great defense. Brad Underwood, again, that strategy shift that he's made towards bringing in veterans, guys who aren't looking forward to their college future and, you know, points uh, and whatever, you know, the name on the back of the jersey. They know it's their last year in college. So what they're doing is they're playing for the team with the, the name in front of the jersey. And in a big picture, that's a credit to Brad Underwood. You know, he's the guy who sees things that doesn't work and he makes those adjustments. So. That's kind of what my rant was about last week. You know, I, I think I don't blame you guys because obviously you don't watch as much uh, Illinois sports as uh, I do. But for me, it's just like, you know, Daddy Brad, you know, like he's commonly known as. Um, everyone kind of talks about him being angry and not fun, you know, to hang out with. But I think, in my opinion, he's a top 10, 12 coach in the country, higher than that when it comes to program building. And Outside last year, none of the players have really had an issue with Brad Underwood. He's never gotten in trouble. He's never, you know, it, it's it's one of those that not all coaches need to be cookie 
putter clean and smiley and this and that. It's okay to have a variety in college sports. And as long as he doesn't go over the limit or over the line, you know, there's nothing wrong with bringing a little personality and, you know, some difference. So that's kind of where I'm coming from with, uh, with that rant last week. No, I think you make good points. Um, <clears throat> good question from B- Brad P here. He said, does Sonny think TSJ's Chan Chan Jr. will be back this year? That actually leads us into the next part of our conversation. We were going to say, how is losing Terrence Chan Jr. affect Illinois uh, the rest of the season if he is suspended for the rest of the season? So, Sonny, do you want to answer that first if you think he'll be back this year and then maybe talk a little bit about what this Illinois team will look like without uh, Terrence Shan Jr. for the time being? Sure. Uh, thanks for the question, Brad. Um, you know, I, it's kind of been mum on the Illinois front uh, in regards to the whole Terrence Shannon uh, incident. There's an incident report that uh, Jeremy Warner from 24-7 uh, released, which shows two different reports. And now I'm going to be very careful with what I say. It's two contradicting reports where um, it doesn't seem like uh, the actual substance of the story is as bad as it seemed as the headline was. But I'm also saying I I'm not a lawyer. I've never taken a you know law class in my life. I don't know how that stuff is going to work. Um, essentially right now, or sorry, a couple days ago, the Illinois, there's an Illinois committee essentially that's uh, overlooking the entire case now. And they're going to make a decision on whether the Shannon uh, suspension is going to be, lasting throughout the season or not um, my guess if i had to guess is our ad josh whitman is a he went to law school himself he's a, he's a very straight and narrow dude um my guess is we've seen the last of shannon in an illinois jersey but uh you know i hope you know as long as you know evidence provides so that you know terrence can suit, uh, suit back up for illinois yeah, that's going to be um, interesting to see how it plays out the rest of the season. That's kind of the sense I get, too, from what I have been reading. Um, but i got to be honest, uh, Illinois has looked really, really good without him. Um, I actually think the ball movement has been better. Um, I enjoy watching this team more uh, without TSJ, and that's nothing against TSJ. I'm not trying to demean him because of the news that came out or anything like that. Uh, there was just a level of... Um, you know, willingness to pass the ball. Um, and like I said, kind of that rhythm, not that they didn't have that before, but it was just showing up more uh, this last game, especially in the games before that. So um, I really like Luke Goody out there. I really like what Justin Harmon is bringing to the table as well. So um, it's just a really interesting thing to see this team play without Terrence Shan Jr., who has been so integral to the success of Illinois so far this year. Um, Gabriel, do you have any thoughts on Terrence Shan Jr. Uh, being out and what this Illinois team uh, has to deal with, with him not being there and how they might adjust? Yeah, so I think two things can be true. On the one hand, missing someone that can go off for 30, 35 points on any given night is obviously going to limit your ceiling, especially in a in a uh, final four slash tournament run. On the other hand, I 100% agree with you, JR. I think they are moving the ball better. And if you if you see that front court now, the way that they're playing together, I think in some ways being forced to live without Terrence Shannon Jr. for now will 
end up benefiting them long term. Yeah, and it's, it shows a good coaching job by uh, Brad Underwood as well. I mean, you you think about any coach out there if they lost, you know, presumably presumably the best player on their team, where would they go uh, and what would they do? Uh, Tricky, you have any thoughts on Brad Underwood coaching this team without TSJ or anything? Yes, I, I have one point uh, just to kind of piggyback on what Gabriel said and to do so in the form of an analogy. Uh, the New England Patriots, the uh, one year when they won every single regular season game, they had Randy Moss, a diva wide receiver, and he and Tom Brady set, uh, set touchdown records that season, yet they lost in the Super Bowl. The teams that New England won with had a bunch of no-name wide receivers. There was not one guy that had to get the ball all the time, and Tom Brady was able to just give it to the guy that was open that had the best chance to move the ball up the field and eventually score, and that's kind of what uh, I would think the plan should be going forward. I agree uh, that I don't believe we will see uh, Shannon play uh, anymore. Uh, I think the court of public opinion uh, will be harder on him than the actual judicial system, uh, just not knowing any of the facts. But um, I I think it may be a benefit uh, considering how they looked anyway. If if we can judge based on one game without, uh, so far so good. And um, I really like Illinois' chances. Coming in, uh, probably losing to Maryland in the uh, Big Ten tournament, I would think. <laughs> you know, win on Friday, mind, right? What's that? I said they're going to win on Friday, though, right? Oh, of course. Of <laughs> course. You're popping them up. I mean, how, how many good games can they have, uh, West L? And uh, you have your example right there on how to beat them. Uh, they, unlike Illinois, are a one-man team. Now, they showed some versatility uh, last night against Maryland because we were dumb enough to double-team him every time he got the ball. When I talked to uh, Dylan and Frank, I said, we leave Edie alone, let him get his points, and don't let the other guys get shots off. We have a chance. Instead, we doubled every time, and the other guys went off. But if you can somehow knock him out of the game and they don't have that advantage of uh, that inside-outside game, I really do like Illinois' chances. For one, I think they're too quick for uh, Purdue. And uh, I think you probably saw Purdue's best game last night. And uh, they're probably gassed anyway. Uh, it's, it's not easy playing at uh, College Park. And uh, you're welcome from the Terrapins and the Turtleheads for softening up those cornfield sailors. Uh, Illinois by 28. <laughs> hey, nothing know. against cornfields now. Nothing against cornfields. <laughs> uh, resident uh, Husker here. <laughs> no, that, that's fine. Uh, it, it's not actually an insult, and I had to explain that to my uh, boiler buddies. Uh, of course, I always do my research when I start throwing jabs around, uh, especially on our Slack platform. But uh, that was an early nickname of the athletic program of Purdue University back in like 1897 or something. Uh, they were known as the Cornfield Sailors before they took the Boilermaker moniker. So just historical, man. That's all it is. It's, it's not, 
swag. Well, good news, uh, Tricky. You got your uh, West L friends here. And uh, Dylan says, trick angles are everything, my man. So, uh, And you also got Russ joining us. And uh, your good buddy Chris is here as well. Ah, yes. Yes. <laughs> Always with some personal attack. That is why, uh, Mr. Jewel, that I am protecting my uh, identity here with the getup. The mustache isn't even real, bro. Come on. You think I'm, you've you've already like got me scared that you know I, I may not be safe, so I had to protect my identity. But uh, it's not about me, and it's certainly not about West L because they're getting their comeuppance when uh, they play Illinois, and uh, I really like Northwestern too. I mean, there was no shame in losing that. Well, there was shame in losing it the way they did. They got blown out, but uh, they as. Um, JR, not JR, but as Sonny said, they're really scrappy and uh, they can score in bunches too. Uh, I got to see them in person uh, at College Park last year. And uh, of course, Boo Booey is, is, uh, is quite a ball player. So, uh, and they, they beat Purdue. So I don't, I don't think Illinois uh, should have any problem at all. There we so, go. Well, so Oh, it's a team we couldn't have had one more person in this uh, little huddle tonight, but uh, I guess all six of the uh, the West Ls had something else better to do. Well, yeah, speaking of the West Ls, we'll go ahead and we'll move on to Purdue and Maryland. And Tricky, we'll let you comment on this one first. Uh, Purdue wins sixty-seven to fifty-three. Uh, Maryland obviously had a fantastic winning streak at home. What was it? Nine games, nineteen games, something like that. Tricky. Uh, I think it was matters, sir. Uh, the uh, yes, nineteen-game home winning streak, which is no more. Uh, Hats off to uh, Matt Painter and the boys. Uh, when I did get together with Frank and Dylan, as I mentioned earlier, I, I laid out the way that we could easily lose the game, and it was exactly what we did. I mentioned the uh, insistency on shooting three-pointers when you don't have the ability to make them, uh, the incessant double-teaming of Edie when you're not going to stop him anyway, and, and thus opening up the uh, outside shot, which they certainly capitalized on. Um, I was the only Turtlehead not in attendance. Uh, Turtleheads Dave Lee and Jordan were there, and our very own NIL-sponsored athlete. Is there any other podcast out there on, uh, on uh, the Big Banner Network have NIL contracts with athletes? We had Shippensburg University field hockey star Hannah White as a special guest of the Turtleheads in attendance. Yes, go Raiders. Ship happens. But um, we are also the number one podcast for supporting small schools here at the Turtleheads. But um, they all were obviously very disappointed. Um, Turtlehead Dave said that uh, Willard looked. disinterested and had uh, erratic substitu- uh, substitution patterns. Um, if you're disinterested when you're going up against the number one team in the nation, uh, I understand not wanting to look towards one particular player on the court, but you could at least, you know, look at your team and how they're getting drubbed out there. Um, 
Turtlehead Jordan said, like I mentioned earlier, the offense didn't have any rhythm at all. It was just haphazard uh, and that the Purdue passing game was on point. Like I said, all we had to do was stop with the double team. But every time we did, they took perfect advantage of that. Um, Unfortunately, Jordan believes that Mark Turgeon tendencies. So uh, we're, we're really worried about our coaching. Uh, as my good friend Connor Barry may have learned this week, uh, one of my big things is firing coaches. I want to fire everybody. I've tried to fire Jordan from the Turtleheads, and he runs the podcast. But uh, I've been calling for Willard uh, all season because of what we saw last night. Um, he, he seems to let the game get away from him. And uh, Turtlehead Jordan was wondering if maybe Gary Williams who we don't like to mention often, but he did win a national championship for the University of Maryland, the last team that is currently in the Big Ten to win a national championship in basketball. Little known fact. Uh, but did he set the bar too high that these guys that have come in after him in Turgeon and Willard just seem lost? I mean, they seem to be decent recruiters, but they can't X and O. And, uh, if you want to be paid to be a recruiter, fine. But if you can't produce on the court, then what is the point? So, uh, again, as I said earlier, we're still going to win the Big Ten tournament. Still going to march all the way to the national championship. But uh, in order to do so, we're going to have to learn from our loss last night and uh, talk about being a one-man show. We put it all on uh, Jameer's back. While uh, Juju was so concerned with defending Edie that he never even scored, barely showed up in the stat line. And um, let's hope it was our worst game and uh, Westell's best game. And uh, the Shellbacks will prevail in the end. Uh, see you in uh, the final four. There we go. This is the launching pad that uh, that Maryland needs. Uh, to get oh, absolutely. There. Look out, Minnesota. And shout out to the Golden Gophers, though. They actually have a really good team, but they're just not ready for the amphibious buzzsaw that uh, they're going to uh, face. Um, because if we're not fired up after last night, then uh, we might as well just cancel um, the rest of the season because uh, – it's definitely time for a, a prove-it game, or else I'll personally fire uh, Willie. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Um, Gabriel, I don't know if you can top any of that, but uh, what were your thoughts on the Purdue win over uh, the Shellbacks? Uh, I time? sure can't, but we're going to attempt to anyway. Now, uh, well, the thing about Purdue is... And, right, right, new guy, oh, he's, he's, gonna, he's about to try to do a hot take now. Is it is it weird if I think um, yesterday was asked in the Slack show, like, what do you think about the Big Ten? A, I think the Big Ten is down. And B, I really think Purdue's going to struggle to make the Final Four this year. And here's why. Um, for teams that, first of all, I 100% agree with Tricky. Like, for, for teams that choose to double ED, uh, you're just asking for trouble with the way he kicks out to these three-point shooters. Like, that's going to be a recipe for disaster. But against other comparable, um, 
athletic big men. Um, I think, you know, you're never going to um, um, stop, maybe even slow him down. But basically forcing Edie to be the only one that goes off is the path forward if you're going to beat Purdue. And so I say all that to say, how often is Purdue going to be tested this year in the Big Ten? I really don't see too many big tests. Like if you look at the Big East, stacked. Um, the Pac-12 maybe maybe not as strong. I think the SEC is still a little underrated. And the ACC, you know, maybe not as strong as past years, but still, I think overall those teams are being battle-tested at a higher level more consistently than what we're seeing in the Big Ten, where the Big Ten is we have Purdue and then a bunch of, well, are you good? And so I think that's what will kind of make it a little more difficult for Purdue in the long run. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what what? Purdue can do. Oh, go ahead, Trafi. Sorry, JR, but uh, I I just had uh, a rebuttal for uh, Gabriel's uh, final statement. Uh, I know that you're new here, but you just said it's Purdue and is anybody else any good? In the box to my left is a man that probably would argue there's at least one other decent team uh, in the Big Ten. Um, Really, there's only one bad team, and that's Michigan, and everybody knows it. And uh, Juwan Howard should be fired. Oh, oh, yeah, I I knew I wouldn't get any argument from you, sir, but – no, they're just garbage. And uh, but everybody else is actually pretty decent. Um, and I just hope we don't cannibalize each other, beat each other up, and then uh, have one of these teams go up against some uh, unknown little school from New Jersey somewhere in the first round and uh, embarrass the conference. Uh, we can't have that again. So. Um, yeah, um, I think there are several teams in the Big Ten that other than uh, the West Ellians, a bunch of rocket jockeys, uh, that uh, have a chance of making their mark for the Big Ten. And uh, I think Illinois right now is the front runner, uh, leader in the clubhouse, if you will, uh, my Terrapins notwithstanding. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Makes sense. Sonny, you have any thoughts on the uh, Purdue and Maryland game before we uh, finish up with that one? Uh, not really. I mean, Purdue, I think, you know, I I do agree with Gabriel in the sense that they're clearly the class of the conference. Um, last week, if you had asked me, I genuinely believed that the gap between Purdue and Illinois was a lot closer than the gap between Illinois and whoever the third best team in the conference was. Now things obviously change a little bit, um, you know, without our best player. You know, obviously, I hope we still continue to play like the last two games without Shannon, but um, I produce just, they're a well-oiled machine. They they got every, they brought everyone back. They have one of the top coaches in the country. Um, You know, we all have our own opinions on Edie, uh, you know, uh, but it goes without saying he's the best player in college basketball. So, you know, that Friday night, I, you know, I'll be watching. It'll be a fun game to watch. I wish Shannon was going to be there. I think uh, had Shannon uh, been there, um, things could get really interesting. But, uh, you know, I, yeah, I they're just a well-oiled machine, uh, unlike the team that they played last night, uh, Maryland, who uh, 
It really is the opposite. And I just wanted to mention it's really funny. I had Tricky on at the Illini cast when we previewed Illinois and Maryland. And at that point, we ended the episode talking about uh, Maryland basketball. And he had Willard essentially winning coach of the year, Maryland winning the national championship. And so now X amount of months later to see if he's ready to fire the guy. You know, I, 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 I think I also had Juju uh, Reese as player of the year as well. And uh, that's not looking so hot. But uh, now JR was asking what you thought of the Maryland-Purdue uh, game. I think it's like uh, looking at a, a, a negative, like a, a, a photography negative. Um, you know, we showed you what not to do. We gave you the blueprint. Just just make it George Costanza. Just do the opposite. And, and you should have no trouble at all. We showed you exactly what not to do. Do not follow our, our example. Do the opposite of what we did. And uh, you'll have the game over uh, right at halftime, I would think. I mean, historically, Illinois and Purdue have always had some pretty good battles. So, you know, I, I know it's going to be a good game. Again, Painter and Underwood, you know, in my opinion, the two best coaches uh, currently in the conference. I know they're going to have some game plans up. All I'm saying is uh, it would it would would have been nice to have uh, Shannon there on the court uh, for that battle. Sonny, you have plenty of horses uh, on your team while they only have the one big donkey. So I think you'll be just fine. On that note, we'll move on to let everybody know about our sponsor, CBB Analytics. Go over to CBB Analytics, check them out. They give us a free pro tier subscription to be able to bring you uh, the best st- st- statistical insight that we possibly can and also help us out to give you good insight on the games and what we see and what we can uh, study as well. So go on over to CBB Analytics. They have paid tiers, but they also have the free tier. You can get a lot there as well. Uh, check them out. Um, and if you're interested in it, go buy it. It's a monthly subscription and uh, 100% worth it. It's great stuff. I really enjoy it. Uh, before we move on, hit the like button. Justin checking in, letting us know. Hey, appreciate that, Justin. And also saying, what's up, fellas? Appreciate you being here, Justin. Glad to, glad to have you listening and with us tonight. All right, let's move on to our next one. Wisconsin faced Iowa, and Wisconsin was able to take it to the Hawkeyes. Fran McCaffrey was was not having a good time with this one. Greg Gard was definitely having a good time with this one. Wisconsin, they just they, they're playing the way that Wisconsin plays, and they're doing a good job. And uh, Iowa didn't really have a whole lot of answers for them. Iowa still had their good offense, but uh, a little bit of defensive dis- deficiencies that we've seen from Iowa this year ultimately led to the Wisconsin win. Gabriel, we'll go to you first. What were some of your thoughts on the Wisconsin win over Iowa? Wisconsin is one of those teams that I wonder, are are and when I say good, I mean, are you – are you going to go on a final four run or do you have that potential at least? That's what I mean by are you good? And what Wisconsin is one of those teams. They've been a little up and down for me to yet be completely sold on them. But what was nice about this Wisconsin, um, with this Wisconsin win was AJ Store. What a highlight reel he was <laughs> when it was dunking and then and then defensively, the this Wisconsin team was really nice getting out in transition. And Chucky Hepburn, he he has some fast hands. So I think Wisconsin will be in a lot of games, um, even in games that maybe they are outmanned, like against, like if they were to have to play in Arizona again, for example. 
I think that they would fare better a second time. But, um, you know, Wisconsin really controlled this game and they were the better team. One thing I want to say about Iowa is this is a fun team to watch, especially on defense. I love the different looks. Um, they're probably just a year away from being true contenders within this Big Ten, but they're still they're still a fun team to watch. I like and I want to see how they continue to develop for throughout the rest of this season. Yeah, great points. Um, I think I think that Wisconsin would fare better in another game against Arizona. They know them a little bit more uh, after that one. And obviously, Arizona's athleticism is going to hurt them there. But uh, yeah, no doubt. I enjoy watching Iowa every time I do. They they always play fast-paced games, and it's fun seeing them move the ball and uh, do the things that they do. Uh, and obviously, like I said, defense is always fun with Iowa. So uh, seeing the way that works. Sonny, what were your thoughts on the Wisconsin win over Iowa? You know, just to piggyback on your guys' thoughts, like how funny is it that the Iowa football team is known for zero offense and all defense, and then their basketball team is just com- the complete opposite? You know, it doesn't, it's just run, 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 score, 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 playing very little defense. Um, you know, Iowa's obviously, I think they were the, the 0-3 start to the conference, but if I recall, they finished 0-3 last year too. You know, Fran's a decent coach. Uh, as Gabriel said, you know, I, I think there's kind of in a rebuilding phase. Wisconsin's doing what Wisconsin does. You know, they got one of the better coaches in the conference. Um, AJ Store, you know, essentially he's going to be battling uh, Marcus Damask for, you know, best newcomer uh, of the year uh, in the conference. Uh, he's an interesting name for Illinois. He's a guy who we'd been targeting a couple of years back. So, you know, it's nice to see him doing well. And, uh, you know, his emergence this year is kind of what's elevated Wisconsin from a middle pack uh, Big Ten team to one that's going to be, you know, contending for uh, the top couple seeds in the tournament. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, I think AJ Store was one of the best additions to this Wisconsin team to bring them to what they are today. Uh, and obviously, like I've talked about before, Chucky Hepburn being able to do uh, what he's meant to do on this offense and for this team, uh, that's huge as well. So we're really seeing a Wisconsin team that uh, has been, you know, what they needed to be uh, in order to play basketball uh well together and you don't really see some of the hiccups that you've seen with the injuries because guys are staying healthy and it's a it's a good thing to see for wisconsin tricky do you have any thoughts on the wisconsin win over iowa yeah just a few one uh the fact that uh wisconsin had four guys uh with at least 14 points nine of the 10 players that they mixed in uh ended up with at least four or five points so uh they're obviously deep. Um I thought their offense was great because normally I'm expecting uh more of a black and blue type uh performance uh from Wisconsin. But um Iowa, they have a nepotism problem there in Iowa City. Uh Kirk Ferentz took way too long to fire his punk son, and now you know, Fran's got uh, Patty out there, uh, 26 minutes, and he puts up five points. But it's okay because that is the most complacent bunch of people I've ever seen. Good is good enough for Iowa. They never won anything other than wrestling titles. And so, you know, they're not going to get their singlet in a bunch 
if their uh, basketball team really doesn't amount to much or if their football team gets blown out in a bowl game. Um, it's a shame because they do have some decent players. Uh, Freeman played his heart out, uh, but uh, I expect nothing from Iowa. Uh, it's a heartless bunch, and uh, they should fire their uh, head football and basketball coach, in my opinion. I was going to say, Tricky, you, you just have the prime opportunity to fire a bunch of people in the conference um, tonight, not even your own Maryland coaches, but, you know, other guys throughout the conference, too. So um, if you have any more thoughts on guys to fire, please do let us know. No, your seat should be getting warm, sir, <laughs> as the host of this huddle. <laughs> All right, I'll keep, keep that in mind. All right, I'll I'll do my best to to improve and make sure uh, I don't lose my seat anytime soon. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Ohio State played Rutgers earlier tonight, and the Buckeyes won seventy six to seventy two. Uh, Ohio State they got themselves out to a pretty good lead. I think it was around fifteen points. I don't remember exactly what the lead was, but. Uh, they they did kind of what they did against Penn State about a month ago, and they started to let it up. Um, I, I am disgusted that they allowed Rutgers to score over 70 points. Uh, Rutgers is probably the worst offensive team in the Big Ten, well, the worst I've seen in the Big Ten, and to allow them to score 70 points, um, I was having you know uh, memories of when they were letting UCLA score a bunch of points, even though UCLA is not that great of an offensive team. So um, you know, I I I think Chris Holtman's kind of getting himself into a bit of a situation here that he's gotten himself into, where he loves his offense and he has good offensive players. Bruce Bruce Thornton is very good. Roddy Gale is very good. Jamison Battle uh, went crazy. Uh, with the three-pointers, I think he hit like his first four or something like that. I don't have the exact stats on it, but, um, you know, they, they had a very good offensive performance. But what it comes down to is, can the Buckeyes play defense? Um, and, you know, they were able to there for a while, but, you know, 10, 10 minutes left in the game. Uh, Rutgers went on their runs, and they were able to score points at uh, a high enough clip. Uh, now, thankfully, the Buckeyes were able to uh, to get some get some offense to keep helping them pull away. Um, but if we're going to see this Ohio State do, team do anything in the Big Ten and in the national tournament, we're going to have to see some defense. Uh, and unfortunately, this game was just was just not one uh, that showcased that. Sonny, did you have any thoughts on the Ohio State win over Rutgers tonight? Uh, just that this 12 and two start, uh, could ultimately be the undoing of the Chris Holtman era. Cause, uh, you know, the few Ohio state fans, uh, I do, I am friends with my wife went to, to Ohio state. They, their expectations are slowly getting higher and higher and higher. Whereas coming in, into the season, the expectations really weren't there. So if, you know, if they kind of fizzle out, you know, halfway through the year or at the end of the year, um, Chris Holtman might be, you know, writing uh, his resignation notice or firing notice, uh, you know, the way the season goes. Tricky's mouth is watering at uh, the thought it's of firing. <laughs> I can smell it. Brian Payne's going to get it too. What do you think, Tricky? Uh, is Chris Holtman's job safe? Do you think he's doing a good job this season? Do you think this game was any good? What do you think? Well, I, I certainly echo uh, – Sunny sentiments that uh, they don't play defense at all. Um, you know, I really thought that uh, is it 
Omoruyi. I'm, I'm, am I pronouncing Clifford the center for Rutgers? Yeah, uh, Omorie, I think. Morie, yeah, there we are. Uh, we're big on pronunciation uh, here at the Turtleheads. Uh, but um, Omorie, yes. Now, I had him pegged as the uh, top center in uh, the Big Ten this year. I really expected big things out of him, not offensively, but I thought uh, – he would be certainly uh, up for defensive player of the year in the conference. And he was third in rebounding for them against a team that doesn't really fight hard uh, on the glass in uh, Ohio state. So, Mm -hmm. um, and, and it was their guards that, uh, and and Fernandez is okay. uh, And and Simpson's an okay guard, but nobody had them uh, in their top 10 for uh, Big Ten players this year. And for them to uh, combine for, what, about 40 points or so, uh, that, that is an indictment on Ohio State and their uh, lack of defense in my mind. Um, but uh, we shall see. I don't know what the rest of your schedule looks like, Jr. Uh, but um, another team that normally doesn't really do much when they do get to the NCAA tournament um, I mean, Kevin Willard in his first year took us to the Sweet 16. I'm not expecting that out of uh, most other universities. But um, now I, I, I think the jury's out on Ohio State. I think they, they, they look good record-wise, uh, much like uh, West L. But I, I think uh, the season will catch up with them. And uh, if they don't start playing some defense in Ohio State's uh, case, yeah, it'll be a good matchup at Indiana on Saturday. Um, what's that? In the evening at 8 o'clock. So uh, you definitely got to play defense when you go against Indiana. So what did you say, Tricky? I said they can certainly score the basketball in Indiana. Uh, that that will be a true test. And um, hopefully you don't go on a slide like Rutgers has. Uh, again, a team I thought uh, would look better than they have so far. But um, they need to stop the slide fast or uh, – Maybe I'll take a trip up there and uh, whack their head coach. Yep, I, I, I've been preaching it the entire time. Is just don't get into that January slumps that Chris Holtman seems to have. So, um, Gabriel, your thoughts on Ohio State's win over Rutgers? Yeah, we're we're in the beginning of Big Ten of the Big Ten, you know, run of run of play, and we're about to see who's for real. And whose resume is kind of lying to us right now. And for this Ohio State team to have that lead and then have Rutgers damn near come out and win this again, a good team, just like hopefully my Huskers are able to do with the halftime lead, shameless plug, but a good team, once you have that lead, you kill the game off. You keep control of it. And you get it to the point where, you know, we see the bench, the bench cleared. And just the fact that against, um, just like what Tricky said, that this Rutgers roster was able to make it a game at the end. I, I think right now I would put Ohio more on the pretender side than the, okay, this is a true Big Ten um, contender. 
I can't say I disagree. Like I said, I need to see the defense in order to believe that and I need to see the defense late in games in order to believe that they're going to be something special. Uh, many people are projecting them in the top four, get that two, two uh, game by in the Big Ten tournament. But uh, I'm, I'm a little skeptical of that because I got to see the defense and I got to see them close out games. So uh, we got a comment. Lax Dim said Illinois versus Purdue thoughts for Friday. We kind of gave some of those earlier. We're not going to do like a full fledged preview on that, but we kind of gave some thoughts earlier in the episode when we talked about the Purdue or the Illinois win. Um, and then we talked about Terrence Shannon Jr. And then the Purdue win. Uh, Tricky had a nice segment on that. So he gave you all of his thoughts. So go back and listen to that. And uh, there's a little bit sprinkled in there. All right, guys, let's move on to a preview of Penn State and Michigan State. Michigan State is favored by 13 points in this one over under of 144. This game is um, this game is at Michigan State, so it's going to be a hard one for Penn State to go into the Breslin Center. Uh, Michigan State's been hot lately, but obviously they've not had the start to the season that they've wanted to have. Sonny, do you have any thoughts going into the Michigan State-Penn State game? Uh, just that I'll be paying attention. Uh, you know, we just talked about whether a team is a contender or a pretender. Um, you know, the way the Michigan State uh, Spartans started the season, uh, I think, JR, last time I was on with you, you made the declaration that you didn't think that they'd make the NCAA turnings. Um, let's see, you know, they've obviously turned things around a little bit um, over the last couple of games. And it'll be interesting to see, you know, they should easily hand uh, handle Penn State. Penn State themselves are struggling a bit this season. But, you know, is Michigan State going to live up to, you know, finishing what I think they were the consensus uh, second best team in the conference this year? Like, have they found you know, uh, the magic that they were looking for, or, you know, now that they're back into big 10 play where, you know, things get a little bit slowed down, more physical, uh, we've scouted the heck out of all of each other at this point. Um, do they, you know, start stumbling once again? So, you know, it's a make or break, uh, for Michigan state over the next couple of weeks. Yeah. I made the declaration and they went out and beat Baylor. So, um, they really, hurt me there with that one but uh but hey Baylor's pretenders too okay that's all, that's all that means uh <laughs> tricky you have any thoughts on Michigan State facing Penn State coming up tomorrow night well uh Penn State uh I don't know what to think of them uh, I know they don't concentrate much on their basketball uh they're they're primarily a football school but uh they do have one decent win on the season um, back on, uh, December 9th, but, uh, other than that, they really went on the schneid, uh, lost to Georgia Tech, um, then, uh, well, we beat them, uh, but, uh, yeah, they've lost to Texas A&M and Bucknell, so, um, I, I really don't know about, uh, Penn State, uh, I, I like what Michigan State's doing because they seem to be just scrap, scraping their way by. They, they, they don't really impress me much, but they play hard every single game. I can't say that about uh, Penn State. Sometimes I don't see the effort out of them because I don't think they're expected to do much. Uh, now, every now and then, like I said, that one early December game, they decided to, uh, to, to play with a little bit of gusto. but. Um, now, I like Michigan State in that one, and uh, I would never count 
Tom Izzo out uh, as far as getting a team into the tournament and maybe even upsetting a few people, regardless of what his uh, regular season record is. And I also know that the uh, tournament committee will make sure he gets in if it's close. So uh, I think Michigan State is going to have quite the uh, January and uh, build their resume for uh, for March. So um, definitely looking for them to handle uh, Penn State. But I think you said the uh, over under was one forty four. Yep. I think I think I might go with the under on that one. I think yep. it might just be a, a a little more of a defensive matchup or a bad offensive uh, performance by uh, both teams. Now, Tricky, uh, you you and the Turtleheads are known for your bets um, that you guys place with one another. Uh, of course, I don't get in. Whoops, I don't get in on the bets very often because I'm just the Big Ten huddle. Um, so, are you willing to wager here about Michigan State making it to the NCAA tournament or not? Uh, what did you have in mind, sir? Uh, I don't. What do you guys normally wager when you do your bets? Well, uh, normally when we do our bets, it's uh, to get to know the other podcast. It's it's actually fun when we have to pay up because we do pay up. Uh, shout out to uh, shout out to Alec at uh, the Rutgers podcast. He is the only uh, podcast that has ever paid off a bet to the Turtleheads. So uh, I, I want to mention Alec. I meant to do so when we were talking about Rutgers earlier, uh, but he is the only person to ever pay up. Uh, sorry, Gabe, but your uh, Nebraska buddies uh, owe me a care package. Uh, Michigan State, those uh, Spartan dogs or whatever they call themselves, they own us a, a care package. Those everybody-loving uh, Hoosiers, they owe us one from uh, football season, but we normally send out something regional. Like the Michigan State guys were supposed to send us Fago, which you know you can buy in the Dollar Tree in my town, but it's okay. We just wanted to put it up on the shelf, you know? Yeah. And we send Old Bay Seasoning, uh, National Bohemian Beer for those that can drink. I had to pay a bet off to a, uh, someone from the Northwestern podcast who was under 21, so we skipped the beer. Uh, we sent cookies instead, uh, but shout out to uh, our buddies over there at Northwestern. But yeah, it's normally something regional, but that's when it's a head-to-head matchup. If we were betting Maryland versus Ohio State, then I'd want you to send us a poisonous nut, and then we'd send you uh, a national bohemian beer, which is pretty much poison itself. Um, I'm sending one of those tomorrow to, uh, Dylan and, uh, Frank. Sonny has already received the Natty Bow and he has wisely kept it, uh, unopened. But, Everything um, delicious, though. Oh, oh, sure. Sure. The burger cookies. Yeah. And the old bay, do you put that on everything? I, I absolutely have. Yeah. No, that's, that stuff's really good. I actually that bought another, I, I went to DC probably like two or three weeks after and I bought another. Uh, wow. Okay, so it's it's good stuff. Oh, excellent. Uh, so yeah, I'll I'll send you some old base seasoning, Jr. If um, Izzo doesn't make the tournament, and uh, you send me uh, yeah, an actual Buckeye, like the the real fresh for, fallen from the tree, 
and uh, we can put it next to our uh, two testy awards that we won last year on our pride shelf. All right. All right. I will see what I can do. Unfortunately, I don't live in Ohio anymore. I grew up in Ohio. I live in Indiana now, your favorite place ever. Um, so I'll do my best, but my uh, my family's still in Ohio. So I'll get them to send it to me, and then I'll send it to you. How about that? Oh, I'm sure they could find an old nut laying around, man. Yeah, that's cool, but probably uh, cheap to ship. Yeah, yeah. Like so, so it'll may take a little bit longer if I lose. But all right, I'll get myself in the wagering game with Tricky. I feel like I'm more part of the big banter now that uh, now that I've done that. So uh, we'll make that a bet. Uh, Gabriel, your thoughts on the Michigan State and uh, Penn State game coming up tomorrow night? Yeah, probably most importantly is we're going to be sending out chili and cinnamon rolls to everyone. So, so there you go. That, that's my deep analysis. But no, um. I'm going to just harp harp on this again, this point again. We don't know who who's meh and who's okay. You have some potential. I think for this game, if it's close or if it's really ugly, Michigan State has had something of a little bit of a resurgence as of late. But if it's if it's if it's an ugly win or even worse, a loss, I think Michigan State is meh. Well, I'll be rooting for that, so that way I win my my bet with Tricky. So, sorry, Michigan State. I have interest now on uh, my giving <laughs> interest. So, <laughs> all right. Well, let's go to our final game. We're gonna preview Mi- Michigan and oh, I have Penn State there. That's Minnesota. My bad. Michigan and Minnesota are facing off. Michigan is favored by six and a half over Minnesota. Um, if you don't know what's going on, the rumor right now is that uh star point guard for Michigan uh Doug McDaniel might be suspended soon uh for his grades uh not meeting the um you know grade limit or whatever it's called I, I don't know why I can't think of it right now the the name of it uh being ineligible because of his grades uh I've been told that's not going to happen until the ninth so he is supposed to play in this game uh but it's you know, Michigan apparently is working very, very hard to get him eligible. So we'll see what happens with that moving forward. Uh, but Gabriel, do you have any thoughts on the Wolverines versus the Golden Gophers tomorrow night? Um, I only watched, I haven't watched Michigan play. I want, but I did when I watched Minnesota when they played Nebraska and I was not impressed. Uh, we lost that game. Um, I'm not sure how, how Big Banner feels about about fans saying we, but for now I'm just going to say we. Nebraska lost that game um, when they they were in control of that game and they let it slip away and they they let what I thought was a bad Minnesota team come back in and then make it look like an actual dominant win. So, um, and then just seeing how Michigan is is rated right now in the standings, um, this will be a game I'm looking forward to seeing, knowing. That the baseline I have with Minnesota. And also this this issue with McDaniel, that just shows kids, you need to stay in school. Stay in school. We'll get your grades up, kids. Uh Tricky, you have any thoughts on Michigan facing off against Minnesota? Michigan, the team that you have dubbed as bad in the Big Ten. Uh any thoughts on that? Yeah, I want to disagree with Gabriel. Uh I, I know his grapes are a little sour because his team lost to Minnesota. But uh, that's a team that goes about uh, seven or eight guys deep, and they score the basketball. Um, 
They had uh, 101 against IUPUI. They put 97 up against somebody else. Um, and and they can really work uh, work the ball around, much like uh, Sonny's Illini. Maybe a, a poor man's Illini that uh, Ben Johnson is building there in uh, in Minnesota. But, um, no, certainly not a team to sleep on. Um their their record right now is is built on uh, a fairly soft uh, schedule going into Big Ten play, but uh, that's another team we'll find out if, if they're real or not. But I don't think Michigan is going to be the team that uh, exposes them as frauds. Uh, I think whether Michigan has their uh, starting guard or not, um, they're a team much like Maryland, in my opinion that has good athletes but don't seem to have a real plan. Uh, they're easily unraveled because of that. Uh, they play more uh, individual uh, basketball than team. So, um, and again, I mentioned Ben Johnson there at Minnesota. Uh, he's kind of kind of a bright young star and, and, and a guy that I wouldn't fire right now. So that's something to be said for the young man. Um, I, I like what he's doing with Minnesota, and uh, I, I think they're going to surprise a few teams, but I would not be surprised by them taking out what uh, looks like the worst team in the Big Ten there in, uh, uh, up north, as, as you guys say there, JR. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the up north team, only losing record in the conference. So, uh, Tricky, you can just go all day if you want, talking about how bad Michigan is, uh, and I'm okay with that. I have to ask, uh, has Jawan Howard made your uh, fire firing yet, Tricky? Uh, he was on it last year. Um, I, I, thought, I thought it was a ridiculous hire in the first place. It, uh, it reeked of Patrick Ewing uh, to Georgetown. Uh, Chris Mullen to St. John's. Uh, I'm I'm a guy that likes to see a coach work his way up the ranks and prove himself uh, at lower levels or as an assistant coach. Uh, Was it Hubert Davis there in uh, North Carolina? Much the same. Uh, If we can go outside the Big Ten again. uh, I don't like these uh, program legacy guys where – Oh yeah, I remember when you played for us. We'll give you the head coaching job. No, you let him stay a couple of years on the bench, work his way up, and uh, so no, I, I, th- I think it's uh, a, he should have been never should have been hired in the first place. And with some of the annex that he showed uh, last season, uh, having to be restrained and 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 I just, I just don't care for his uh, coaching style or lack thereof, uh, Juwan Howard. And uh, he shouldn't have started the season as their head coach, in my opinion. Yeah, I was surprised he kept his job last year, too. Um, but that's the hard part when you hire uh, a legendary player as your coach. It's hard to get rid of them if they don't do well. So, uh, Sonny, he's uh, – I'll oh, go ahead, Tricky. Sorry. I was just going to say it's very easy to overlook it, though. I think he has benefited by the success of their football program because nobody really cares if the basketball team stinks, because right now they, they've they got one more big fish to fry uh, in football. So I, I think much of that has kept him uh, around and whatever. What was wrong with him at the beginning of the season when he wasn't coaching games? Some yeah, undisclosed heart, heart issue or something like that. He had had some heart surgery, it, I think. 
Right. So maybe there could have been some sympathy there. You can't fire the guy while he's having his chest cut open. So, uh, but no, I, I wouldn't have let him start the season myself. But as you were. Makes sense. Makes sense. All right, Sonny, uh, give us your words of wisdom, final thoughts for the podcast on uh, Minnesota at Michigan. Uh, I hope Michigan wins. Um, me personally, I get along with all my, uh, big 10 brethren, uh, the only basketball school I just don't like is Michigan. And that's because Kevin Warren handed them the conference trophy, despite having less wins than Illinois that year. And Michigan still hangs that conference championship banner. And it's, it's aggravated me, uh, since then. So I don't, I want Michigan to win because I want Jawan Howard to be the head coach uh, against Illinois on January 18th because Brad Underwood can put up his 6-0 and record against Jawan Howard and make that 7 before uh, we get him out of here. I was just saying, I thought you mis- misspoke at first when you said you thought you wanted to win, but okay, that makes sense now. You know, get <laughs> playing chess while we're playing checkers here, JR, because I, I thought the same thing. I'm like, well, wait a minute, maybe he just misspoke, but... I wasn't thinking uh, four or five steps ahead like uh, Sonny there. Well played, sir. Like I said, words of wisdom from Sonny. So, all right, guys. Oh, uh, we did get a comment for you, Tricky. Um, whoops, where'd it go? There it is. Uh, Tony, I don't know how to say that. Chacheras is better. Oh, uh, uh, Old, Bay? Old Bay trash, I think he said. Some, some, uh, I think it's a uh, Tony Satchery. Um, and, um, Whoever that is from uh, from Nebraska. Yeah, this is Justin. Uh, He's on our football show from time to time. Oh, hello, Justin. Um, they owe us a runza, by the way. I don't know if you know what runza is, but uh, but uh, uh, the uh, Nebraska podcast owes me a runza. They said next time I'm out there, uh, they're going to buy me one. But um, actually, I have to agree with Justin. Old Bay is what Maryland people get all excited about. There's actually even a better crab seasoning called J.O. seasoning for uh, putting on your steamed crabs. Uh, but Old Bay is the is the thing everybody gets behind. But uh, I actually do not have any Old Bay in my house, but I have three different varieties of the uh, Tony Saturies. So uh, uh, surprised that a, a Cajun spice would make it all the way out there to the flatlands. but. Uh, but yes, uh, you are correct in that regard, Justin. There you go. There you go. <clears throat> Cajun, and uh, I'm from Texas, though. So all around. And lives in Arizona. There we go. <laughs> in Arizona. There we go. So, all right. Uh, thanks, Justin, for that. Thank you, Gabriel, Tricky, and Sunny, for being here. Thank you, everybody who listened and watched. We appreciate you. We'll have another episode on Sunday night. We'll be recapping some of these games. We'll definitely be recapping the Illinois and Purdue game on Friday. So, that'll be a lot of fun to talk about there. We'll have, I think, Russ coming on from the Purdue podcast. So, uh, look forward to hearing a Boilermaker's thoughts about the game, uh, which I, I know Illinois fans will be rooting for the win so that way they can hear him uh talk about an illinois win but we'll see how it plays out it'll be fun to fun to talk about fun to hear about thanks guys for coming on and thank you everybody for listening have a great night thank you good night